Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Hamid Omiar. I am the host of podcast with Dr. E. At this podcast, I sit with the world's experts in health, education, and community development to talk about the current health challenges and ask them to share their experiences, knowledge, and thought with all nations across the world so that we can learn from experts across the globe. I have a wonderful guest today with us, and she is Dr. Debbie Bright. Welcome to the show, Dr. Debbie. Ami, thank you so much for having me, and I hope I offer something amazing for your listeners to learn from. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Dr. Debbie is a weight loss and gut health expert. Dr. Debbie Bright is an internationally recognized and board-certified functional medicine physician, exercise physiologist, and nutritionist. As the founder and CEO of the International Millennial Health Movement, Dr. Debbie helps millennials discover their hidden food sensitivities so that they can heal their face, skin, fat, and fatigue all within 21 days or less. While weight loss is what Dr. Debbie does, restoring self-worth is who she is. Dr. Debbie is an author, speaker, and public figure with appearance on TV, radio, podcasts, and is frequently featured in health and wellness magazines. The world needs to work collaboratively on health crises. And by exchanging of ideas, skills, and knowledge, find solutions to health problems. And how we address the world's health issues is very important. I believe that health is not limited to private practices and hospitals. It has to start from every individual business, community, and school systems. I am bringing health experts from all walks of health, from conventional medicine to practitioners to naturopathic functional medicine experts to public health professionals and clinical psychologists so that we can have an upstream and systematic approach to health. And dear audience, I strongly believe these discussions have from the and insights of the world's renowned leaders in public health should be shared broadly. And thank you all for joining us today. Let's get started. Millennial health, that's a very interesting topic, um, Dr. Debbie. And let me ask this first question, which is uh, kind of a personal question. And I ask all guests and speakers to share their why and tell us about the millennial health and what's the motivation behind it. And in other words, why do you do what do you do? Absolutely. So Hamid, I would say millennial health and being that I am one, it really means a lot to me to help drive this generation to be healthier, because if I drive our generation to be healthier, I get their parents to be healthier. We know a lot of millennials are starting, you know, their age range, like I think it's now 24 to like 38 or, or you know, somewhere within that range. That could be, you know, that's now like the post-college graduate to their parents now, right? So they have little kids. So by transforming this generation, I get older and younger. So I get to, to see health um, trickle out into several generations. And that's a big win for me. And one of the biggest wake up calls for me was when I went home to my five year, um, high school reunion, which now I'm a 2003 graduate. And so I think I've been out like 17 or 18 years. And I remember just at five years out, most people my age were now I'm from a very small town in Missouri. Uh, and I live in California now. So it's a little bit different here, but for back home in the Midwest, um, right. they were already on blood pressure medications. 
medications for diabetes, most of them were heading in a direction of pretty ill health, cholesterol medications, they're significantly overweight. And to them, feeling sick, fat, and tired was the norm for people that were what, 22, 23 years old. And, you know, I saw a big problem with that. So when I initially stepped into more of a functional medicine, more nutritionally based approach to taking care of patients, it was because I was brokenhearted to see what was happening in my hometown. And I've improved my diet for myself and seen my own improvements. I've seen improvements in pain and skin issues. My dad with several back surgeries, my brother with migraine issues, and then just hundreds and hundreds of patients that's gone through different programs of mine and seen dramatic improvements in their skin, psoriasis, um, weight loss, fertility, just you name the symptom and it magically gets better when the body or gets healthy and weight loss is just a symptom of a healthy body is what I say. So just a follow-up question on this. Uh, you brought up the idea of, of functional medicine. Of course, that's one of your expertise. Um, recently, I've been talking with um, a few physicians who are interested in doing functional medicine. And this is pretty much new to me and maybe to a lot of other physicians. What does it actually do? And why is it important to integrate that into conventional medicine and in order to have healthier people and patients? I fully believe that an integration of functional medicine with conventional medicine is the ultimate win. We know with conventional medicine, acute care, if there's an emergency, you know, if I'm in a car wreck, if I need my limb sewn back on, or I've just had a heart attack or something like that, then I definitely want conventional medicine to be on my side. Mm -hmm. You guys are really good at that. On the flip side, it's not so great with chronic disease care, preventative care. And I see a lot of conventional medicine doctors that go into medical school and Hamid, I'm sure you would agree with this, where you go in because ultimately you want to change lives and you come out on the other side and you've got a prescription pad is like your best tool. And we know that sometimes there's a place for medicine, but a lot of time with these chronic issues, there's definitely not. And sometimes these medications make things a lot worse. Mm -hmm. So to best explain functional medicine, you know, for my patients or to the everyday person, I say, to understand functional medicine, you've got to first understand conventional medicine. So like I just kind of described, right? We've got a lot of specialists, a cardiologist, you have neurologists, you have different types of surgeons, orthopedic surgeon, a pediatrician like you, we have different specialties. And you would want that if you ever have to have that, like that kind of surgery or need that kind of specialized care. On the flip side, functional medicine tends to look at the body as a whole. Every cell in our body communicates with every other cell in our body. So we look at if there's a fatigue issue, how are your adrenals working? How are your cortisol levels? How's your thyroid? What's your stress levels doing? What about the food you're taking in? How much sleep are you getting? We address all of these core lifestyle habits. It's more of like a lifestyle medicine. And when you address those root causes, a lot of times diseases can go into reverse, people get a lot better and they just genuinely respond really well, which also helps them respond even better conventionally is how I look at it. Thank you for explaining that for the audience. I agree that functional medicine, naturopathic medicine, all are really important to integrate them into the conventional medicine, not to uh, replace one with another, but, um, but to integrate them. It would be very helpful for patients to know 
not only what medications are good for them, but also what lifestyle in general and what do sh what should they eat. That's very important to know. I hope that the audience find it also interesting. And of course, the health practitioners should be um, more aware of what's in there in functional medicine. We are during this pandemic and a lot of people are either staying at home or you know, less movements and because of the social distancing. And a lot of people are staying either working from home or not even working, staying at home. Two things comes in, comes in mind. Like one is bench watching TV <laughs> or, or Netflix or the, their favorite show <laughs> or, and then bench eating. So when your expertise in millennial health, as well as weight loss, what's the effect of uh, COVID-19 pandemic? on millennial weight gaining and is that contributing to weight gain? Absolutely, Hamid. And I'm really glad that you're asking this question because we are about to roll into what I call a six month like smorgasbord buffet binge of mm -hmm. candy, treats and sweets because it really, it kicks off in the month of October with all the, <laughs> I always say all the Starbucks, pumpkin spice, everything, right? So we're going to, we're going to hit off this sugar binge with Halloween candy, and we're going to gorge ourselves through the holidays. And then it doesn't even stop then it's new years. And then it's what it's Valentine's day. And then it's Easter candy before we ever really take a break from it. Right. And the problem with just the holidays is that usually people will pack on a couple of pounds that they don't ever take back off. That's a problem all on its own. But now you're adding on, we're about to roll into the holidays with coming pandemic is starting to spike again. And I think we're going to see that happen even more with cooler temperatures, more sugar in the diet and whatnot. But to fully answer you with just the stress of this pandemic, I've really seen people, they call it the COVID-15, but they're packing on just today, um, I've had one person reach out to me and say they put on eight pounds and they were one of my, um, my previous, like they do some of my weight loss programs. And so they sent me a picture of, they were making like a detox soup and they said, all right, it's time to take some of this weight off. And then another one online said, I've, I've gained 20 pounds. I want to take that off. Now, the biggest issue here as it relates to COVID-15 is at least in the Western world, we know that we have an obesity issue here. And we know that those who are obese are suffering from the, this COVID-19 virus, you know, to greater effects. We also know there's a lot of research out that says that the virus is getting into the bodies of the obese more through upregulated ACE2 receptors that line the gut and, and obesity cells. Mm -hmm. So this belly fat gain, the stress eating, it's just not doing us any favors. And I think there's going to be a serious concern when we see another uptick in this virus. And you could speak to that as well, I'm sure, you know, as we roll into right. these cooler months in winter months. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you mentioned about the obesity and overweight. Actually, based on the studies, unfortunately, almost uh, two thirds of the population are either overweight or obese. This kind of like sedentary life and staying, you know, at home and lack of movement would even make it worse. So this is really timely to mention to people what to do and be cautious, not only about their physical activity, but as well as focus on what they eat. Yeah. Body composition is 90% diet and 10% exercise. And not right. that we're discrediting exercise. I mean, that 10%, that's a hundred percent whole other discussion all on its own. But yeah, you 
abs are made in the kitchen, body fat is, you know, it responds to the diet far before it responds to exercise. Let me ask you this question is, is it about the calorie counting? What should they be focusing on to help them shed their wanted pound when they want to lose weight? That's a great question. Um, I wish it were as simple as that, but our bodies are chemistry labs, right? So it's not right. just about a point system or numbers value game because this whole eat less, move more to burn calories is just a really outdated mindset. And you know, mm-hmm. calories matter, Hamid, but where they come from matters so much more because 500 calories of pizza and ice cream sends a much different store body fat signal to the liver than say grilled salmon and like asparagus or broccoli. Two completely different messages to the organ that's responsible for either burning or storing fat and that's our liver. Yeah, no, it's definitely not about calories, but about where they come from that matters the most. To deep dive that a little bit more with talking about the liver, it's based on fuel intake. And by fuel, this is when I'm talking about food. So again, not necessarily just looking at calories, but we know the liver is fueled by ketones, healthy fats, carbohydrates, and alcohol. And then protein itself is different. We don't really want to be burning protein for fuel that goes to our lean muscle mass and whatnot. So when we start to gain weight, it happens as a result of the liver being overfueled by, you know, one of those four things. And so you could decrease any of those, but if the liver still has an abundance of, of one of the others, then we still store and it starts to spill out and become body fat. So are there any specific foods you see across the board that are commonly affecting people? And if so, what are they? Yes. So I do call them my top seven heavy hitters, but before I explain why or which ones they are, I'd like the audience to know that it's really important to understand the three types of adverse food reactions. So Mm -hmm. by adverse, um, there's food allergies, food intolerance, and food sensitivities. Now food allergy, I always tell people to think of like the movie Hitch with Will Smith. I don't know if you've seen it, but he eats like shellfish and then he blows up and he's drinking Benadryl and he's like drunk on it. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody always laughs at that one, but you know, a true food allergy involves an immediate immune reaction to the food that's been eaten and symptoms could be mild to life threatening. And examples include, you know, peanuts, tree nuts, shellfish, milk, wheat, those tend to fall into that category. Think EpiPen, Um, that's a food allergy. You eat the food, you immediately react to it. Now there's food intolerance. So that tends to be like a non-immune reaction to certain foods that occur because a person simply lacks the digestive enzymes responsible for breaking these foods down. Uh, Symptoms can include, you know, red flushing, cold or flu-like symptoms, inflammation, and, and overall dietary discomfort. And examples of these foods could be alcohol. It could be sulfites. Um, dairy products, histamines in food from like certain bacterias in the gut, um, preservatives and artificial colors. So think of food intolerance. Think of all this Halloween candy that, that children are about to indulge in, all the food coloring. We don't have digestive enzymes to break down those non-real chemical-based foods. So that's an example of a food intolerance. And then lastly, and, and this one's really my jam, is um, food sensitivities. So it's a delayed immune reaction that happens, you know, hours to even days later after a person eats the food. And that is why it can be so hard to 
relate the symptoms a person is having. So say like, I've got a whole list over here, weight loss, resistance, hormonal imbalances, autoimmune issues, thyroid issues, adrenal energy issues, fatigue, headaches, migraines, blood sugar, uh, skin reactions, like acne, psoriasis, and eczema, joint mm. pain, for example, IBS, brain fog, all of those symptoms can fall into this food sensitivity category. And it's usually caused by an imbalance in the gastrointestinal system that's affecting the immune system and symptoms, you know, all the ones I just named, they happen, but maybe they don't happen until three hours or three days after you eat a certain food, right? Mm -hmm. And you never really learn it until you take that food out of your diet for up to 21 days and then slowly start reintroducing. And -hmm. then it's like, okay, now I can connect the dot. You ask me which ones. So I call them the top seven heavy hitters. And I say that they're the foods most responsible for our inflammation nation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They include gluten, soy, dairy, eggs, corn, peanuts, and then I call it the sweetness trap, which is added sugars and artificial sweeteners. Mm -hmm. And so people are like, oh my gosh, you took gluten away from me and there's nothing left to eat. And it's like, well, you were really eating bread, waffles, pancakes, cereal, and pasta, so that's just eating gluten in five different ways. There's plenty of healthy foods out there and, and that are delicious and amazing. You know, it's just anytime we take something out, there always needs to be something to replace right. and teaching people how to eat healthier. Otherwise, they feel overwhelmed and they're not quite sure how to, to take that on. The sugary and sweetened beverages is huge. I think that's the major probably reason behind um, obesity and, and uh, overweight. I think... That needs a systematic approach to bring changes. There were actually different states had different regulations on on those things. I'm not sure how successful they were, but glad that you mentioned all the seven. You also um, have the 5R framework that's for rapid weight loss. Can you elaborate on that, explain it, what it is? Yeah, absolutely. The 5R framework for rapid weight loss is really connected to the Institute for Functional Medicine's uh, 5R framework for gut health. Because when we heal the gut, then people start shedding the weight and Mm. the inflammation related weight, like no problem. So they are remove, replace, re-inoculate, repair and rebalance. And I'll deep dive into each one. So remove Mm. simply means to remove, in this case, the inflammatory foods. So the food intolerance, food sensitivity foods, like the top seven heavy hitters. Um, That's what I do with my patients. And then also removing, um, you know, gut infections like H. pylori, SIBO. I'll run, if I put someone through a program and they tend to say, hey, I'm not getting quite as good as results as the other people in the group I'm with. I say, okay, maybe you're an outlier and we need to do a little bit deeper dive for you and do some digging. So I'll send them to do like the GI um, diagnostic solutions, GI map. I really love that one. Um, And then we see what's going on inside the gut. And then we can like further address that with antimicrobials, or if it was, you know, a bad enough case, we would go the antibiotic route and then do some repair afterwards. So again, removing inflammatory foods and gut infections, then we replace. So that includes replacing digestive enzymes like stomach acid, betaine, pancreatic enzymes, Mm -hmm. we support the liver and gallbladder for fat breakdown and burning. And you know, people tend to feel a lot better. So if people are curious, like, oh, you know, do I need to replace my digestive enzymes or, or take them with certain meals? It's like, if you're super bloated, 
if you feel, I say the visuals, like, you know, when a snake eats a mouse, you can see, you've, have you seen that where they like move through, like you can see the snake, like moving through the mouse body. So like you eat proteins and you just feel like anything really just exceptionally stuffed and bloated that helps with that. Um, the next one is re-inoculate. So that includes getting in probiotics and prebiotics to feed the probiotics. So, um, balancing out the healthy gut bacteria. I like to have them put resistant starch into their meal. So like into a protein shake, or you can take a green banana and, you know, cut off the two hard ends and blend it up in a smoothie. People think that's the weirdest Oh, with peels on people think that's peels on. Yeah. The green banana with the peel on is really great resistant starch for the gut bacteria. You don't even taste it as long as you have a high powered blender. Um, that's key. Um, and then, you know, the resistant starch in potatoes, right. And rice and other things, but we see them in, in white potatoes a lot. So it's like boiling them. People can find recipes on the internet. So every time that you cook and chill and recook and chill it, um, the food accumulates more resistant starch. It's resistant to us absorbing it. And it, and it goes down into our colon and helps feed our healthy gut bacteria. They actually eat it. And we don't have to worry about, um, absorbing those sugars from the starch. Mm -hmm. And then repair. So that would be repairing the gut lining. So um, putting nourishing, cooling, anti-inflammatory stuff into the gut. There's lots of supplements I use. I'm just coming out with my own or I use some with designs for health. We're launching the millennial health product line. So that has, it's all based around weight loss and gut health products. So yeah, I'm super excited about that one coming yeah. out. It's, it's, it's been a long time in the works. Um, and then lastly, Hamid, it's rebalance. So, and that has to do with lifestyle factors, like dealing with stress, getting people exercising more, um, addressing sleep habits and just better habits that, you know, now we're, we're working, we've gotten the weight off. Let's balance the lifestyle out to keep it there. We've got the gut healthier, skin healthier. Everybody's feeling better. Let's keep them in that winning <laughs> zone. Right? right. Yeah. And so that's the, the, a five R framework for rapid weight loss, remove, replace, re-inoculate, repair, and rebalance. Great. I like that. Um, and it makes it um, easier for people to remember and acronyms always like when I was in med school, I was trying to create my own acronyms and, you know, <laughs> and mnemonics. <laughs> so yeah, it will be also, you know, more fun to remember that, but it's not easy to remember everything. Um, glad that you um, explained the five R's and I'm pretty sure that the audience will find it very interesting. This show is really interesting so far and, it, and the time just passed by and I have to um, ask you the last question. What's one piece of advice, um, a take home advice, if you want to share that to, to our listeners? One of my mentors once just told me that getting started is the most important thing you can do. So I would say if weight loss or a healthier gut is whatever the grand scheme and thing life is that you want to, to accomplish. It's ultimately your top success strategy includes getting a coat. And in our case, that could be us as the doctor or a health coach physician, right. who's ever going to help you with it. Um, be in a supportive community, get an accountability partner, and then make a commitment. And usually people will commit with their time and with their money right. that kind of holds their feet to the fire. Right. And then most importantly, um, you know, just get started, just start putting things in place today. You can do it with your very next meal. You can make better choices. That'll set you up for better immunity in this pandemic. I'll get some of that extra COVID-15 stress weight off. And there you go. You know, just get started. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is great advice. Two important points there that you just mentioned. Of course, all of it was really amazing. Um, two things that I wanted to reiterate. Uh, one is basically you're saying to take action and that's important. Taking action is very important to um, whatever goals you set in your life, you have to take action. The first steps will be always the hardest and nothing's perfect. So you have to start with something. Second point, as uh, Jim Ron said once, we are actually the average of five people we spend time with. And um, so that commitment when you are with people and um, accountability, now it's, it's huge, like an accountability partners or accountability buddies. So you have to find a person in your community, you know, at your work, your colleague, or you're a, part, a, a member of your family and whoever, your friend, to have you accountable for what, what you promise for yourself to do it. I think that's that's also very important that you pointed out to that. So let us know where the audience and listeners can find you and, and know more about your business, your what you do, and it'll be amazing for the audience to know. Thank you. So there's two places to find me. I'm really good. If you reach out to me on um, social media platforms like Facebook or Instagram, my handle is at Dr. Debbie Bright. That's D-R- D-E-B-B-I-E-B-R-I-G-H-T. Give me a follow. Um, you can always shoot me a DM if you have a question. I answer those right now. So um, that's fair game. And also, if you guys you know, want to get on my mailing list or ever see what's what we're coming up with or what programs we're offering and whatnot, you can do that by taking a, a free quiz. It takes about four minutes to take. It's called weightlossawarenessquiz.com. Again, that's weightlossawarenessquiz.com. It just helps you rate like your commitment to uh, being in action, getting the pounds off, and it sheds light on what you're doing right and areas where you could use some help. So people tend to like that one a lot. So go take it. It's fun. Thank you again for being with us today and sharing your knowledge and expertise. I mean, it's been a total pleasure to be with you and thank you so much for having me. Dear audience, for more public health and health issues, stay tuned. Thank you all and have a great day.